0: The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. Uh, when I came to Believers in 1981, I've been there 35 years, and uh, it, was, it was kind of a difficult situation. I envy Stephen in being able to plant this church. I didn't plant Believers but I, I took it, and it took us a long time to grow to where you're already at in less than a year. Our church now is 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 a very influential church in our community, and uh, God has granted us favor. And I want to share a little bit about that as we, as we get into this message. And I want to go back and talk a little bit about some of the things that Stephen talked about in the... Uh, in coming together, staying together, and working together. So uh, the first week he talked about coming together. I'm going to take a little bit different twist than, than he took with it. Because this being a brand new church, y'all launched, when was it? February 14th, Valentine's Day. So uh, February 14th, y'all, y'all launched the church. And uh, you're already running well over 100, 100 to 150 people. And that's awesome. That is really, really awesome. Uh, I guess he's talked to you about being a part of the Association of Related Churches, the ARC. Uh, Yara ARC Plant. We're ARC partners. We we support the ARC monthly, which that means we we send two percent of all of our giving to the ARC to help plant churches all over the world. But but we're also monthly partners with Stephen, while this church is getting planted. As well as we, we've got another role uh where this church is concerned is that there's about four pastors that stand behind the church even financially if we have to. So we are uh we have got a lot invested in this church and I keep my eye on it and I check on Stephen all the time because he needs checking on. <laughs> I guarantee you he needs checking on. And uh but uh I want to take a little bit different twist, this being a brand new church, and I'm going to talk about phases, because I don't know who are the regulars here, who are the first time guests, those of you who are checking it out, and, uh, but I want to just say that this is going to be a safe place to be. This church is going to be a safe place to be. Stephen's heart is not to hurt people. Stephen's heart is not to use people. Yeah. Stephen's heart is to grow people. And if you, want a, if you just want a traditional church, this is not the church for you. This is not the church for you. I love this church. Uh, I, I was thinking, you know, the same Holy Spirit that's our church was here today. That's a good thing. I've been in places where there was a different spirit. But it's the, same, it's the same Holy Spirit, the same presence of God, the same anointing, could I say the same anointing, the same heart seems to be here that's in our church. And, and I think that comes through association, people that you associate with. And uh, so if you're, if you're in the coming, I'm going to call it the coming together stage, to the staying together stage, to the working together stage. And you start out in coming together. You come together to check this place out. What is this going to be? What is this church going to be about? What's going to be its heart? What kind of leader is there? Is is he a, people who, is he a person who hurts people? Or is he a person who encourages and grows people? You don't have to be around Stephen long to know that he is an encourager and a grower. I get around him and I want to slap him sometimes. He's, he's asking me questions about our church. And I'm going to say, dude, leave me alone. He's ch- he challenges me. And I'm thinking, dude, leave me alone. Grow your church. Leave me alone. <laughs> But, but he's kind of that way. He kind of stretches you. And that's a good thing, even though it's aggravating sometimes. It is. So you may be here for the first time today. Well, I, first of all, if you're here for the first time, I'm not the pastor here. That crazy guy on the screen is the pastor here. And he's a good guy. And let me just say, he's a good guy. But you're, you're, in, the, you're in the coming together stage where you're, you're checking it out. And that that's a okay to do that. You don't have to buy in right off the bat. Uh, That is not demanded of you. You're not expected to give. You're not expected to do anything but check it out, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's a process, but usually that is you're asking the questions: Is this going to be a safe place for me? Is this going to be a safe place for my family? Is my wife safe here? Is my spouse safe here? Is is this going to be a place that that I can see myself growing and, and working and contributing and being a part of? Is is I mean you look around at people and you say, Do I want to be associated with this person here in this church? These people here in this church? So you're kind of in the coming together stage where you're checking it out. And that takes time in order to do that. And I believe that Stephen will give you the time to do that however long that takes for you. See, I have, been a, I have had a church since 1978. 1978, that's a long time to have a church. I've not been without a church since then. I started... I was raised in the United Methodist Church. Anybody, any United Methodist Church, United Methodists here? I was raised United Methodist. And then I went to the Assemblies of God. You're talking about culture shock. So I was kind of members of two churches. The Methodist claimed I was Assembly of God, and the Assembly of God claimed I was a Methodist. So, and then I went Independent. And so, so I've been around and, I, and I've seen a lot of people and I've seen a lot of situations and, and I know that there are people who get hurt by church. Yeah. Yeah. And you may be here today and you may have been hurt by church. And any, any church can hurt people. Some of them do it intentionally and some of, it do, some of them do it unintentionally. If you get hurt here, it will be unintentional. Right. It won't be Intentional. So, but you've got to work, kind of work through that process, in, where you say, "Am I going to be safe? Is this going to be a good place to come?" Uh, I believe in, in Stephen's heart, in my heart too. I want a multicultural church. I want some soul in my church. <laughs> uh, we white folks need some soul in our churches, <laughs> some moving and grooving. I, you know, Hispanics. I, I love to have Hispanics at our church and. Uh, I, you know, I just I just want a multicultural church where, where it's got a little flavor to it. You know what I'm talking about? Not all niller. It don't need to be niller. It needs to be. There just needs to be some. There just needs to be some culture there. And, and we've seen some of that, but we've not seen enough of it. And you know, I know if you're of, uh, I don't like the term white church. Now, I don't like the term black church. We're just church. But you know, if you're of a different race than the predominant race of that particular church, you're going to wonder, will I be accepted here? Can I thrive here? Will my children be safe here? And you have to ask yourselves these questions. But you know, after a period of time, you've kind of got to take the next step. The next step, which is... I'm going to stay. I'm going to make this my church. The staying together. You got to come together and then we got to decide we're going to stay together. Isn't that true? Now the first two phases are mostly about you. Is this a safe place for me? Okay? Can I get along with so and so. Do I want to be associated with this? Do I believe in this? Do I? Do I? Do I? And a lot of it's about I. Well, today I want to talk about the, the third step, which is working together, where we get away from the I and we start talking about us, the we. I think Stephen said it was it last week where we go from the selfie. Yeah. Kathy and I went on a cruise here a few weeks ago, uh, October, and I w- I'd go out on the deck and walk, and I cannot tell you uh, not, This is going to sound sexist. The girls that were out there doing this—forty-five <laughs> minutes doing. <laughs> you know they were doing all of these. They were doing all of these things. We got to go, as he said. We got to go from the selfie to the Ussy. I'd never heard that before. An Ussy. We need to start taking Ussies and forget about the selfie. Isn't that true? And the only way I know that we can do that is where we we have to realize that even though the church is for me, it's not only for me. It's not about me. First of all, it's about Him. And look at all of these empty seats. Look around. Look at these empty seats. This, is, this church is for those who are not yet here. Yet. There's people out there today who are hurting. There's people whose marriages are in trouble. There are people on drugs. There are girls who got raped last night. There are, There's all kinds of things going on out there. People are hurting. And they need somebody that will care. They'll need somebody that will care. Who cares? I was fortunate when I was in Bible school, I got to hear one of my favorite preachers of all time, John Osteen. Anybody remember John Osteen? It's Joel's daddy. He's a much better preacher than Joel is. And Joel's pretty good, but John, John was quite a preacher. And he came to our school, and he talked about going to a mission. He said, I went to this little grass hut. said, I went inside this little grass hut. said, there was a woman in there dying. She was diseased, and she was dying. He says, does anybody care about a woman in Africa in a grass hut dying? alone. And he just kept saying, does anybody care? And I think that's what we have to come to. Do we care about what these empty seats represent? People out there who can be here that we can make a difference in their life. So that means that we have to come to to a point as a church and as individuals and families Where we quit thinking about what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? How will this bless me? What can it do for me? What will it do for my children? I'll just tell you, that's up to you. And we got to start thinking about what can I do to make it work? Are you out there today? Are you out there? What can I do to make it work? So we make the transition from coming together, we decide that we like each other, we're gonna hang out with each other, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna kumbaya, we're gonna sing the song, we're gonna, we're gonna get together at each other's houses and we're gonna hang out. We're gonna talk about the razorbacks. How about them hogs? Woo! We're after LSU next week, brother. We're going to get LSU next week. I can say that because I'm leaving. I don't have to face him if we lose. We're we making it about us and we start working together to make it about the community that we live in. To make it about the future outreaches that we can have as a church. He's been in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but if we go back and we look in 1 Corinthians 12, I want to read just a little. Can I read a little bit? Uh, this is from the message. And I I like the way this reads. And it's going to take a, a minute. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek or slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If Foote says... I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings. I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? Sounds like inferiority to me. Don't, do we ever struggle with inferiority? I think so. If ear said, I'm not beautiful like I, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. Don't believe you're here by accident. You may still be in the search, but you're not here today by accident. You may think you are, but you're not. See, because there is a place where you're supposed to fit. It may or may not be in this one, but it's somewhere. We don't need detached ears running around. We need to be connected, don't we? But notice what it says That it's God who has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. God is the one who places us. God is the one who gives us our function. God is the one that that favors us in the areas that he's called us to. I have probably beat myself up more than anybody I know of. I look at other guys and their speaking abilities and I'm thinking, I can't preach like that. And I try to preach like that. It just didn't work. You know why? Because I wasn't that part. You hear different preachers and you think, boy, he's smart. I'm so dumb. I'm so dumb because I'm not smart like him. But you know what? That's not my part. My part's different. I started I started being more comfortable when I quit trying to be something else and just started being who God made me to be. You say, but you know, what if they don't like me? Well, if God made me that way and they don't like it, then that's not my problem, that's their problem. See, we, we have this big inferiority thing. I'm not a... I'm not an eye or I'm not something elegant and I'm not a hand. I don't have the rings. I'm a toe. Thank God for toes. Thank God for big toes. Thank God for, you know. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it's only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a a body but a monster. (laughs) What we have is one body with many parts. Each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is most important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand? Get lost. I don't need you. Or head telling foot. You're fired. Your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When is... When it's a part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether it's the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good good digestion digestion to full-bodied hair? I'd rather eat and have hair, hadn't you? Praise I'm not going to make any comments now. <laughs> the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part, the parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt. And in the healing, if one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. You're familiar with some of the parts that God has formed in his church, which is his body. See, we're not talking about, Stephen talked about, Unity, unity, be in unity. We're not talking about uniformity. See, a lot of churches want to take a cookie cutter, and make everybody the same. That is so limiting to what the body of Christ is about. We do not need a thousand Joel Osteen's. Nobody can Joel Osteen like Joel Osteen. Nobody can Andy Stanley like Andy Stanley. There's only one. There's only one Stephen Sexton. Thank God. Yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine ten of him running around here? He'd wear you out. We've been put together by God. We've been designed by God. We've been designed with purpose. And when you choose to become a part of this body, see, Stephen is not the head. Come on. Christ is the head. Yes. Stephen's probably the neck. <laughs> but the neck can't do it all. The neck can't be involved in everything. The neck does, can do this, but it can't. There are certain things that it cannot do. The neck needs the hand, the, 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 the feet, the, the heart, the stomach, the every, the skin. Every part is dependent on the other part of the body. And what the Holy Spirit does, and this is, this is what is so needed, and this is why, does he use the term life-giving church here? He needs to be if he's not. Make him, make him use it, life-giving church. That is, that's kind of an art phrase that we use a lot uh, People ask us all the time, what kind of church are you? Are you Baptist? I'm thinking, never been Baptist. That's one thing I've never been as a Baptist. Been Methodist, been Assembly, I've been Independent. I've never been Baptist. Well, said, what kind of church are you? I said, we are a life-giving church. We have Methodists, we have Baptists, we have Pentecostals, we have Church of Christ, we have Catholics, we have heathens. Every church needs heathens. Y'all probably got one or two here. I may be looking at one or two. I don't know. I'm not here to judge you today. But we need a diverse, We need all kinds of people. We, but we need to be life-giving. If we're life-giving, they won't stay heathens long. Because we're not judging them. We're not condemning them. We're not putting them down. We're trying to put something into them and let God do the cleaning up. Like he just cleans us up as we... As, as we put what we're supposed to inside of us, he kind of cleans us up, doesn't he? So that's what we need. We need to be life-giving. And as we are that, then what God does is that he takes the diversity and unifies it. He doesn't, he doesn't make it uniform that we're all cookie out of a cookie cutter. We all have different personalities. We all have different talents. We all have different gifts. We have different perspectives. And the thing that the Holy Spirit does is that he takes all and he works it in all. See, uniformity is when an administrator tries to mandate a culture. That don't work. We see that in some of the legalistic churches. You won't do this. You won't do that. You won't do this. They're trying trying to get uniformity. They don't get unity though. Unity is where we allow diversity and let God bring unity in that. It's, It's Him working all in all. And you know what that does? That builds the personality of the church. That builds the culture of the church. That builds the strength of the church. I have seen our church go through so much in 35 years. First of all, when I, when I came there, we, I was 29 years old. Dumb as a rock. <laughs> Didn't have a clue what I was doing. Made lots of mistakes. Lots of mistakes. I I get embarrassed sometimes thinking about some of the dumb stuff I did. And yet we survived. You know why? God was in it. God is gracious. God is working. We we tried everything that you can probably try to make things good. Because I had a heart. I wanted to see God do something. We were a lot smaller than this. In fact, for a lot of years, Probably for twenty years we were about this size right here, and uh, it's it just it's interesting because Joe and I were searching. We had been to conferences, and you know you go to a, a particular conference year after year after year after year, and you hear the same thing year after year after year. And we wanted to try something different. Because I, I just I kind of had a stirring in my heart. I didn't know what it was. I didn't have to know what it was. God knows what He's doing. But we got we got on the internet and began to search, and we come across this conference in Birmingham, Alabama, called the Association of Related Churches, ARC. So we decided we would go, and that began the journey of the turnaround in our church, where we transitioned from a A typical word of faith charismatic church into a life-giving church. Okay? That was my background, word of faith. So we we transitioned into a what we call the life-giving church. We had several people who did not like it. I had people who had been with me 20 years who did not like it and went to another church. Hard to see. But I knew I was on to something. We relocated. We renamed the church. We were Believers Outreach Center. We we renamed the church Believers Community Church. New building, new image. We began to grow. God began to add particular people to the mix, to the flavor we went from 100 to 200, 200 to 300, 300 to 400. 400 to we run somewhere between 375 and 5 and a quarter now. And and but it's but it's been a transition. But the thing is that I had to step back because in order to to grow a church, I can't do everything. It's just impossible. I can't I mean I, there was a time in our church that I did the preaching, I led the worship, I taught a Sunday school class, all on Sunday. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. Sound like Donald Trump. No, no terrible. <laughs> By the way, go vote tomorrow, or Tuesday. Right. Uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. I don't want get, to get sidetracked there. I didn't tell you who to vote for. But uh, I had to let things go. I had to trust people. I had a problem with trust because I had people who hurt me. I had board board members who stabbed me in the back. The founding pastor tried to submarine me and take the church back over after he'd been gone eight years. I'd had some hurt that I had to deal with. So I had some growing I had to do. And so uh, God began to bring people to us to help us do certain things. He began to add the people as we set our hearts to do the thing that God wanted us to do. To be a life-giving church, he began to add the key members to our staff. Some of them are my kinfolks. But my son married one of them, two of my sons, married two of our leaders in our church. And and my son is my associate, will take my place someday. And we began to to catch a vision for what a life-giving church looked like. We had always been a church about the four walls. We talked about reaching out. We preached about reaching out. But we were mainly about us four and no more in our practice. Not in our speech, but in our practice. And uh, God put me in some places and I saw some things. and It's just a whole process of how God began to work in this whole deal. And he began to lead us into particular ministries. And this came out of the culture that was being formed by the people that he was bringing in. God weaving and making the culture in his his work. One of the things that we do now is a a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. Anybody ever heard of Celebrate Recovery? Uh, In fact, I went to Celebrate Recovery Friday night. We had 216 people there for Celebrate Recovery. And... uh, People dealing with hurts, habits, and hang ups every Friday night. It's it's just it's exploded. We we have a very, very, very powerful celebrate recovery. Got a guy who leads it who is wired like Stephen. He's just I, I have to tie a rope around him every now and then. He's so so energetic. But God has blessed it in such a way. We we have a children's pastor who has a heart for For working with kids, I don't even have to think about it much anymore. My son Joe is our youth pastor. My daughter-in-law Ashley's our worship leader. We have we have a wonderful worship team. God is bringing people in with talent. He's bringing people in with ability. He's bringing people in with heart. What is that all about? It's called working together, and it's not about me being in control. Sometimes I don't think they even need me. Uh, really? I think I could just go away and they would be fine. Now I, I know that it's the pastoral anointing that opens the door for the other ministries in the church. See that, that's, you know, the pastor can shut it down or he can facilitate it and let it happen. And I have chosen to facilitate it and let it happen. It's scary sometimes because when you see people come into your church with green hair and more tattoos than they got skin. And I mean, sometimes I flinch and say, oh my gosh. I walked into CR one night and sat down in the back and I was sitting there, and you could feel the Holy Spirit moving in that service. And I was sitting there thinking, God, don't you know what these people are doing? Don't you know the sin that they've got in their life? And and it's just like I felt God say, shut up and let me do my thing. Okay? See, I could have shut it down, or I can step back and let God facilitate through the, the people that he's brought in to, because I can't lead celebrate. celebrate. I have never been drunk in my life. I wasn't that holy, okay? It wasn't because I was such a good guy. I just never got drunk. I, I'm never taking drugs. I've never done any of that. So I couldn't lead it. I had to have somebody that had been there, done there, and got ten t-shirts. And he, he, he does. He does a good job of leading that. But I have to allow that to happen. You've got a pastor that will allow God to do what he wants to do through this church. It may not be celebrate recovery. It may be something else. But it can't be just about these four walls. Yeah. And this is where, okay, this is where we're going to bring it down to this. And I'm, I'm about done. This has kind of been a sharing from the heart thing. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is where you're important. Because you've got to quit making about you. And making it about us. Us. Making it about the people that are these empty seats. The people that were yet to come and sit in these seats. And when they come, I mean, y'all were friendly today. Let me tell you, y'all are friendly. I've been in churches that are just awful. (laughs) Awful. Y'all are friendly. Don't ever lose that. Do not lose that. It's so important. But Stephen needs you to step up. There's three areas, okay? Are you ready? You may not love me after these three areas. <laughs> First is time. We're challenged for time, aren't we? That means you've got to set priorities. Priorities. And if you're supposed to be a part of the body of Christ, a functioning part of the body of Christ, you're going to have to give time to it. That means there will be sacrifices that you have to make in order to make time available to do the ministries. It may be a Saturday that you have to give up every now and then to go... We, we just had a group of, of people three weeks ago that did something called Loads of Love. And they got handfuls of quarters and they got a grill and hot dogs and hamburgers and chips. And, and they went to two laundromats in Batesville and they paid for people's laundry and they fed them while they were, they were doing their laundry. There's, I mean, and, and it took sacrifice. It took volunteers to do that. It took people to, you know, with a vision. I had a little girl come up to me. She's brand new. She's, what, a year or so in the church? And, and uh, I don't know what her background is, but she said, I got this on my heart to do. And, and what do you think? I said, Let's do it. I knew it was going to cost money, I knew it was coming out of the budget. And I, and I said, Well, let's do it. Had one of our girls come to, to me not long ago when they had the flood down in Louisiana. She said, I want us to do something. I want to flood Louisiana with love. That's what she called it. Flooding Louisiana with love. We sent about 30 people down there. We set up a semi and collected stuff. Batesville responded in a wonderful way. We sent a whole semi of stuff down to Louisiana. Had 30 people went down there and cooked and handed out stuff and worked with one of the Ark churches down there, Healing Place Church in Denham Springs, Louisiana. And we helped with that. They took vacation. They gave their time. See, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. It's not about just coming to church and praising God and jumping around. Right. Hey, hey, when we come to church, let's praise God and jump around, okay? There's nothing wrong with it. I like that. But it's it's more about the people that are not yet in these chairs. They're out there. They're in the laundromats. I went to one of the laundromats, and this woman walked in with her kid, and she was chewing on his head. I mean, she's, and I thought, that poor kid lives under that. And we, we made her happy. We gave her hot dogs. Got a little bit of smile. She went back out in the truck, left the kid there to do the laundry. Went back out in the truck, and got in the truck, and started chewing on her husband. The next week, they were at Celebrate Recovery. Oh, and I, you know, I wanted to slap the woman myself. I'm telling, I'm just, I, I'm just being real. I'm just keeping it real. I just wanted, to, I just wanted to slap her. Quit, quit treating that boy like that. You're gonna ruin him. She's at Celebrate Recovery. The whole family was there. She still had a sour look on her face, but she'll come long enough. You know what? They'll love on her. They'll pour into her, and she won't have that anymore. Let me tell you a story. one story. I got to quit. <laughs> I don't have enough time. We had a girl that, when she was little, her mom and dad tied her up, injected her with drugs, and sold her for sex. Yeah, we're talking about as a five year old girl. At the time she was 13 or 14, she was out on her own trying to survive. She had to get away from her parents. Her parents were drug addicts and they were using her to pay for their drugs. They were selling her for sex. She didn't trust anybody. Can you imagine that? Out on her own. She had to survive. So you know what she did? She prostituted herself. She became a prostitute. Wound up pregnant. Had a baby. Got busted. Went to prison Twice. The last time she was in prison, she had been there a while. She was full of hate, as you can imagine. She's not the kind of girl you'd want to be around. Time for her parole. her aunt agreed to have her paroled out on the condition that she would come to celebrate recovery. She came reluctantly. She would sit in the chair as they would feed them, and she would growl at them as they tried to love her. Just, Rrr! sound Sounds like demons, doesn't it? They continued to love that girl. She had to come. That was part of her parole. One night, they all went to this other CR meeting, and the guy gave his testimony, she got saved. Oh. It absolutely transformed her life. Before, before it was over, she was teaching our crossroads, which is our 4th, 5th, and 6th graders on Sunday morning, the Word of God. She had such a love for those kids. God absolutely took what had happened in her life, did a miracle, turned her around, and gave her a heart of love. See, we have to see the potential of people no matter where they're at. See, this, this, this is why God raised you up. It's not so that you can have a cool church with lights and cool pastor wear skinny jeans and blue suede shoes. <laughs> I'm jealous of the blue suede shoes. That's a... you can have a cool pastor with, with skinny jeans, but listen, it's it's bigger than that. There's people out there who are sighing and dying and hurting, and they need you. They need you to work together. So you've got to give your time. The second thing is you've got to give your talent. Some of you got abilities. You have personality. You have, you have gifts. You have all kinds of things that are that unique to you that, that are blended in with your personality. Some of you are very hospitable. There's, there's all kinds of gifts in the Bible that it talks about. Some of you are administrative. Some of you, are, you have certain things. You need to give those to the body of Christ. And here's the one that makes people mad. The third is the third is your treasure. That means your money. Everybody look at me. And say money. money. Don't talk about money in church. Well, guess what it takes to do what I'm talking about. Money. I tell our people because we don't do a lot of fundraisers except for mission trips, and they do that within themselves. We pass the buckets on Sunday morning. And I tell them, says that there's not anything that we do in this church that pays for itself. Children's ministry does not pay for itself. Youth ministry does not pay for itself. It costs. Celebrate Recovery does not pay for itself. It costs us two hundred dollars a week at least to feed those people. It doesn't pay for itself. All of the the curriculum that we have to have it costs money. It costs money for the You know, our our building payment's almost $6,000 a month. It costs money to do that. And I tell them all the time, guess what? You know where that's paid for is when we pass these buckets on Sunday morning. That's where it happens. And this is where working together is that we begin to contribute as God blesses us and we become tithers and we become givers. And, And as Stephen projects vision... You just, just got to know and understand it's going to cost money to do those things. And guess where it's coming from? It's coming out of your pocket. But you know what? I believe, and I believe the Bible teaches this, that if you do that, God will favor you and God will bless you and God will cause it to come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, run on. No, and I'm not trying to be a big prosperity preacher, but I'm just saying God prospers. When, when, our, hearts is, when our heart is where the kingdom is, God blesses it. Now, if, if Stevens says give to me because I need an airplane, I'm coming to talk to that dude. Cause, okay? No, we're talking about financing the things for the kingdom. Able to do loads of love. Able to do Flood, Louisiana with love. Able to do all kinds of outreaches. We, I can tell you, tell you, tell you all kinds of things that we have been able to do because our people give and give. That's what it takes to be a great church. You live in a great community. You live in a thriving community. You live in a community that you have the potential to explode as a church. Now, God can do great things with small churches. He can do great things with large churches. I don't know what his plan for this church is. I got a feeling that it's going to grow. I just, I just believe it is. But you know, that doesn't just solely depend on Stephen. It depends on you too. Whether you buy in, where you come together, stay together, work together. It'll work. Amen. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at The House, follow us on social media at the house underscore NWA.